Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Finding the right person for the job isn't easy. Just ask someone who hired a lounge singer to be their office receptionist. Hello, this is Mickey Marquis, and you've reached the office of Doug and Associates. <laughs> Thank you very much. Catch me Tuesday nights at the Hotel Johnson. Hello? But if you've got an insurance question, you can always count on your local GEICO agent. They can bundle your policies, which could save you hundreds. Doug and Associates, this is Mickey Marquis. Hello? For expert help with all your insurance needs, visit geico.com slash local today. This is the Cubs-related podcast presented by CubsInsider.com. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan, and we are coming to you on Monday, January 25th. You guys likely hearing this on Tuesday, January 26th, and we have another glorious episode of Chicago Cubs baseball to talk about, and luckily, Brendan, at least since we last spoke to everybody, they haven't given me a reason to shed any tears in the last week, so I'm hoping, unlike last week's episode, I I can get through this one without an emotional outburst and, you know, having to, like, mute my microphone because (laughs) I'm not able to (laughs) contain my emotions. Very normal stuff for a near 30-year-old man uh, talking about a baseball team. So that's where we are. Well, let's hope we can get through this episode without any major trades. So, you know, knock on wood here. Right, right. Yeah, I shouldn't speak too soon. We, we just started talking, so really, the, you know, the the timing is is perfect. For Especially with all these Chris Bryant rumors, and now Kyle Hendricks of all people. So let's just get through this. Right. Yes, it's like walking through a, a field with landmines. I mean, really, it's it's any moment we could be exposed to something. But <laughs> we don't have a lot necessarily specifically to talk about. Uh, you know, the off season's still kind of dragging along. We are seeing some movement uh, a little bit. You know, in the overall MLB market. At George Springer, who was one of the big fish in this particular offseason going to the Toronto Blue Jays. Michael Brantley, another name uh, that was much sought after going back to Houston. And, you know, especially Brantley, one of those guys who in an alternate universe we would have been probably talking a lot about if the Cubs were, you know, spending any money. Uh, but they're not. So he goes back to Houston. Springer to Toronto, and we still await some of the, you know, bigger guys as well. Trevor Bauer still out on the market, which will, you know, certainly our feelings about him aside, will, you know, certainly change things and change the market and a little bit in the trade market as well. But on the Cubs front, it is mostly quiet. We hear sort of the same rumors that we've been hearing for 
a couple years now. This offseason, Brendan, feels a lot like last year, where it's just a constant battle between the different national writers and stuff like that to regurgitate some new Chris Bryant rumor. This is where this anonymous executive thinks he's going to sign. And like, admittedly, I think he's going to end up being traded just because that seems to be the writing on the wall. It's what the Cubs are doing. You know, so at some point, I just sort of expect it. But it does sort of feel like last year where, you know, you're reading these rumors and you're like, yeah, just like he was definitely going to be an Atlanta Brave, you know what I mean, exactly a year ago. It's hard not to feel the parallels. To I feel like, like I read a Buster Olney tweet like 10 minutes ago that I could <laughs> I have that. sworn I also read last January, like at exactly this moment. Well, I don't think they even know if Bryant's likely to be traded now this offseason. Because even with the spring training announcement that they may not even start on time, like I feel as if the Cubs, with all their revenue issues, if they don't know they can have a, a, a high-confident level of fans at Wrigley, they, they may not even know what their current budget is yet either. So I don't think anyone knows. You can ask an executive, but I don't even think that executive knows really what the Cubs might be doing. Right. As always, unfortunately, there's a lot of unknowns still to iron out here. Like Brennan just mentioned, if you haven't seen that, there was a request uh, from, I believe, the county in Arizona, where a lot of these spring training stadiums are, to delay spring training uh, with the COVID numbers there being really high and just, you know, I think them obviously not wanting an influx of people and and staff from other states and cities and things like that. Uh, What will come of that, I'm not sure. Uh, You know, obviously we've seen Major League Baseball be pretty flexible in some of this. You know, last year when the regular season was getting started the second time after the initial shutdown, you know, we saw all of the teams do uh, the second spring training in their own ballparks. They only played teams in close proximity to them, you know, the Cubs playing the Twins and the White Sox in those exhibition games. So maybe something like that, maybe this is fine, you know, by the time pitchers and catchers are supposed to report. But it's it's just a reminder that because of the outside world that we're living in, outside of just the baseball one, a lot of this stuff is up in the air. The, the plan is for spring training and the regular season to start on time and be the normal length. But just given the serious nature of everything going on, you know, none of that is is set in stone and is always kind of open to change. Uh, so that's that's where that is. But Brendan, you know, before we kind of get into maybe more of where the Cubs are, I, I have to ask you, I'm, I'm a- honestly a little bit surprised that you've been able to contain your excitement thus far into this podcast. But how are we feeling? I, we are entering the Austin Romine and Shelby Miller era of Chicago. Cubs I, I can't wait. How do you feel? I, about I it? can't. I'm glad you asked me about that. I'm, I'm really looking forward to uh, seeing Austin Roman and and his skill set play. He had negative 0.5 WAR last year, nice. and we gave him 1.5 million dollars when John Lester just signed a contract that in this year 2021 he will be given two million dollars. So that that's where we're at, Corey. Love that. Love that for us. Um, yeah, not to necessarily knock Austin yeah, no offense to and him. Shelby Miller, yeah. but not exactly the names I think we were hoping the Cubs would be delving into. Um, you know, look, like Shelby Miller uh, is an interesting guy. He's had an interesting career, certainly worth a low-risk 
see what you can do kind of thing but it you know you're this is a couple years now of reclamation projects right and it it does sort of get a little tiring given the direction that the cubs are going it makes sense and you know so like it or not it does sort of make sense given the context of the decisions that they've made so far but I wouldn't blame you if you're listening to this podcast and, you know, thinking back to last offseason and even the offseason before and the various names that the Cubs were inviting to camp and this guy used to be good, right? And he coming off an injury and maybe we can get him in the pitch lab with Craig Breslow and Tommy Hadovy, blah, 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 right? And sometimes it works. Sometimes it pays off, but it's not exactly exciting and it certainly doesn't offer much to be inspired about as far as uh, what's going to go on with the Cubs this season. But that's really where we are. And, you know, I, I think that it was something Brendan and I have, have talked a little bit about, and, and you've heard me say this before, but I, I think the general direction of our conversations is, again, something that I've said before, this is the direction the Cubs are going, so this is how we're going to talk about it. Uh, we, we've we told you guys before that, you know, every now and again, there will be an explicit episode, uh, like we did after you Darvish got traded, where we kind of go off a little bit on whoever we feel it needs to be directed at. Uh, at that time, it was ownership. Most of the time, it's ownership. Really, it's always ownership. Um, no, but it's mostly ownership. Um, but it you know just isn't productive to keep doing like this is the situation this is the reality so we press on right and that brings us to the Cubs situation and and Brendan I I think it's 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 fascinating to look at this because we still don't really know exactly what it is that they're doing right they they still feel like they're in a bit of a middle ground in terms of choosing a direction, right? They, they've ruled out the direction of seriously improving this team, right? That seems to be out. It's possible that they make some low-cost, around-the-margins moves to improve what they have on this roster right now, but I'm even pessimistic of that, right? I, I think at this point it's a question of are they done moving pieces maybe until the deadline, or are they going to move more, and is this team going to look even more barren by the time they may maybe do or do not show up in Arizona, depending on how that all plays out, right? So what's what's that's what I think is the interesting thing to try and figure out. You know, you're looking at these rumors, right? There was a rumor over the weekend that the Cubs and Blue Jays had discussed a Chris Bryant and Kyle Hendricks swap. I mean, now. I only bring that up because it was the rumor du jour, right? The rumor of the day. It ended up being, you know, the reporter that put that out there literally clarified it as saying, the this discussion occurred, that's it. It's probably not realistic. It probably got nowhere. But I did hear that those names came up and it was discussed. And for all we know, that literally could have been Jed Hoyer saying, if you give me Bo Bichette, you know, like, and Vlad Guerrero Jr., then let's talk. And the Blue Jays said, you're out of your mind. And that was it. And that's, you know, sometimes the basis of rumors. But I, I, I just bring that up because it's it's interesting from our perspective, right? I, I think the clear goal now is not 2021, 
that's just not a realistic goal. If your focus is on the Cubs winning the World Series in 2021, that's fine. I want them to, too. I'm going to be rooting for them to do that. Um, but I don't think that's going to happen. I, I think that's pretty unrealistic at this point. Um, and it doesn't really seem to be the organization's priority, kind of literally. So the question becomes, Brendan, and we've been asking this for a little while, should they be going further with this? Should they be looking to trade anybody that has value on this roster? Or is this enough? Have they done enough? Should they wait and see how this early portion of the season pans out? See if you get a healthy Chris Bryant, a healthy Javi Baez, both playing at near MVP levels, you know, Wilson Contreras doing his thing, etc.? Or should they continue being aggressive in trying to move some of these guys? And I honestly, I don't really know what my answer would be to that. Part of that is because we don't know if they're even attempting to have discussions about extending any of these guys, one of these guys, two of these guys, none of these guys. We don't know. And so obviously that informs whether you would be interested in trading them at the moment, uh, especially for guys like Chris Javi and Anthony, right? Their contracts are up at the end of the year. If you're working on something longer than that, great. Then obviously you wouldn't be looking to trade them. If you've had those discussions and they go nowhere, maybe you do. So while we're here, right, you know, Lester's gone, Schwarber's gone, Darvish is gone, Caratini's gone, uh, you know, other, other guys are gone. Are you, do you have like a particular direction like when you read that rumor even though it was just a rumor and and really didn't have much to it are you looking at something like that KB and Kyle Hendricks thing thinking boy that would suck and there's a lot more nuance there because Hendricks is a really weird person to trade uh that would be really bad in my opinion um but are you looking at that and thinking like you know what at this point do it get as big of a haul from the most prospect heavy team that you can because this is what you're doing so go all in or are you looking at that going oh my god like i'm gonna jump off a ledge well i'm gonna jump off a ledge if that happens uh (laughs) so no to your to your answer i should have assumed that for you (laughs) i think that's the default answer for probably and there's a there's a few there's a few reasons for this one you have currently on your roster Wilson Contreras, Javi Baez, Tony Rizzo, Chris Bryant, and Ian Happ. And you do have Kyle Hendricks locked off for four more seasons. So no, I don't think you should be trading from within to get more prospects. And given this market, given Chris Bryant's price tag, I don't see even a package coming even close to what we got for you, Darvish. And that you Darvish trade aggravated almost everyone. So no, I, I don't want that. I don't even think right now it's... And, uh, well, nobody wants any I know, of this, I know. But, right? You guys know that. Uh, but what I, what we're, I, we're just proceeding forward. What, None of us want any of What this. I mean by that, Corey, so, yeah. is looking around the market right now, I feel like as a fan looking outside and in, I can't predict what's going on. For the first month or so, you had so many starting pitching free agents signed for around $3 million. All of a sudden, you're going to relieve your signing for $8 million, for $50 million like the White Sox did. So I, I don't know what the market is. And then you see a trade like you Darvish for teenagers, and you're looking at you Darvish, who should have won the Cy Young last year. I don't even know if teams are willing to give up those top prospects right now, because that might be the best currency in this post-COVID baseball world. So that's where I have a lot of hesitancy. If they're trading for a payroll dump, 
Maybe they will, maybe they aren't. Who knows? People have different opinions on it. I don't even know. But if they are trading just for the sake of salary, that scares me. I think right now, given where this team is, the Brewers, the Cardinals, the Cubs, they are all kind of within within that same competitive range for the division. And maybe it makes more sense for two reasons. The first being you go into the season, you see how Chris Bryant rebounds, Javi Baez rebounds, you see if Davies and Hendricks can kind of lead that duo atop the rotation, and maybe you could also like come out and be consistent, along with Alec Mills being serviceable, and then reassess. And then the second reason is, let's say Chris Bryant does rebound, and you still have these financial restrictions, but he's rebounded to the level that other teams are more willing to give up some better prospects. Then you trade him, you save your $10 million, you get back a better prospect package, and you're able to project 22 a little bit better. So for, for me, looking outside in, that's kind of the direction I want them to go at this point. I don't want this direction. I never did. But this is kind of where we're at. And I think that makes the most sense going forward. But we have zero idea. This is like a zero percent confident opinion right now. But I, I'm scared. I say all this because I'm scared that we won't even be able to get back anything that will make us as fans even a little bit optimistic by trading Chris Bryant, Corey. I just can't see any right. scenarios that make us feel better about it. Right. No, I'm I'm with you. Um, and as we've discussed before, this is a particularly tight needle and thread situation that Jed is trying to maneuver here. And, you know, part of that is just because, again, as we discussed at the beginning, there's different ways to take a lot of these words. So I'll call it a retooling at the moment. They're not really rebuilding technically. Maybe they will be. I don't know. It depends (laughs) how you define these words, but pick whatever you want. However you would describe whatever they're doing right now, I'm going to go with a retooling. Is a soft rebuild a better way to describe this? Yeah, maybe. maybe. Yeah, I I don't know. It's it's hard to say. They're inventing something new here. Like a linguist or something like that to tell us exactly what's happening, but it's, it's not what they did the first time with Theo. So that's a rebuild. This is something else. But as we talked about, like the the factors amongst the game of baseball, especially on a day like today, where, you know, you're seeing more of these public criticisms and negotiations and things like that from the Players Association and the league, they still don't have some of the rules decided on. I mean, they're even today, I mean, we're in January. We're talking about pitchers and catchers reporting next month. They don't need, they're still talking about the DH and the expanded playoffs, Brendan. <laughs> so you've got that on top of all these teams taking huge revenue losses, right? And yes, of course, like the, the, their owners can afford it. You, you don't need to, you know, we're never carrying water here. I say that all the time, but that's just the reality. So when you're looking at trying to make these trades, this is a terrible time to be doing all of this because as we learned from the Darvish trade, there really was not a lot of options. I said this on uh, maybe two podcasts ago that normally when you're trading someone like Darvish, you're hoping for a door number one, door number two, door number three scenario, right? And ideally, the people behind the doors are adding to what's behind them as they're bidding against each other. It sounded like the U Darvish situation was, here's door number one, you can take it or you can turn around and leave, 
right, for Jed Hoyer, which is just not where you want to be. There's just not a lot of teams looking on to take these big contracts and make moves like this in this particular climate. Uh, especially, you know, you're also coming off a year where you did not have a full minor league season. A lot of teams have laid off scouts. The Cubs have changed, you know, a lot of the stuff in that regard. They've had to work extra hard to do their scouting and to keep up with some of that stuff. So it's just not a good environment for this. And and so you combine all of this together and it creates a really difficult scenario for Jed Hoyer. And it's an odd spot to be in. And, and kind of why I, I said at the beginning that we don't really know the complete direction of, of what they're doing. You know, it's because you're trying to square all of this with Jed and Tom's repeated insistence of intending to compete in 2021 and not fully tearing down the team, you know. But you look at a rumor, and again, it was just a rumor and really not much of one, right? Again, it could have been a 10-second phone call that this Toronto Blue Jays reporter was just saying, yeah, the phone call occurred. Um, But you see a rumor like that as a fan, and you're like, okay, (laughs) like if all these guys go. If you let Schwarber go, you let Lester go, um, you trade you Darvish. If you were to trade Chris Bryant, if you were to trade anybody else too, Hendricks, Contreras, whoever, like that's tearing it down. Like I don't know what Tom or Jed define tearing it down as, but that's that's what tearing it down is. I mean, you're taking away like the entirety of the team, you know, save for like a couple guys. That's tearing it down. I don't care how you want to look at it. So it's kind of squaring all of that and the ability to compete. And what really confuses where we are, Brendan, is that right now, if the season started tomorrow, like, they could win the division. (laughs) They could win the division and they might win 81 games. You know what I mean? I made up a number. But, like, this, nobody in the division is trying to get better. The Pirates just traded uh, Tyone, so they're getting worse. They're definitely committed to being the worst. Nobody's committed to being the best in this division, but the the Pirates are definitely committed to being the worst. So it's an odd spot because I think you still have a lot of people looking and going, okay, they've done all of this. I hated the Darvish deal. I hated that they didn't give John Lester his money and let him retire as a Chicago Cub. I hated that they let Schwarber go for nothing, but they could still sign, you know, and and I think um, friend of the podcast, Ryan Tomier, tweeted this out the other day, you know, they could sign Jackie Bradley Jr. and Colton Wong, probably for very little money, go defense first, right, sell out for defense with this pitching staff that you have, and see what happens. They'd likely enter pitchers and catchers in spring training as if not the best team in the NL Central, certainly not out of it in terms of competing in that division. But are they going to do that? Like, honestly, Brendan, like, I don't think so. I think they're going to move more guys, and I I, I would be, like, even seeing the Romine signing, I was like, wow, look, uh, that's a million dollars they just spent on this guy. <laughs> like, I, that's just where I am. I'm just pessimistic about their attempts for 2021. And you know, I I don't know what to make of all the trade rumors and stuff like that. My hope is honestly that if they're looking to move people, they're not going to do it unless the return is enough. But I don't know, man. Uh, You know, as I said, like this is a really tough, 
a tough needle to thread for for Jed Hoyer. The the climate in the game of baseball is not good, and trying to make trades like this and bring up prospects through the system and stuff like that is a very risky and high variance um, endeavor. Mm. Reg- you know, in a normal context, right? And just with everything going on, this is a this is a very precarious spot that this organization is in. So it's that's where we are you know they they haven't really done much more in that regard because as as much as it pains me and i and i think a lot of us you know the john lester decision doesn't really tip the hand for any of this right just because of his age and you know you're you're bringing him back to you know you're not you wouldn't be bringing him back to be a, a top of the rotation guy right? And he wasn't going to cost that much money. So it, it sort of shows us that they're not going to spend a lot of money. But as far as competing for 2021 or making more trades for the future, it doesn't really inform us that much. Um, it, it really just informs us they're not going to spend that extra money on, you know, a, a legend for the Cubs to retire the way that he wants. They, they, they apparently need to spend that money elsewhere, right? So it doesn't really inform us. So really, like since the Darvish trade, we've gotten a bunch of rumors, a little bit of activity, but nothing that really moves us further in one direction or the other. We're kind of still in that same spot. So it's it's all just to say it's hard to make you know it's hard to know exactly what they're doing and whether we can kind of like ease up on being terrified that there's more to come and, you know, just sort of getting ready for pitchers and catchers and we'll see what happens or staying on guard for that and, you know, kind of expecting even more in in that, in that way. I've been reading a lot on Twitter and I don't know, maybe we're guilty of this too, but you're seeing a lot of fans, even like, you know, quote unquote, diehard fans saying they're not, they're not going to watch the team this year. Like they're just not interested and we're we're you know we're psychos like i'm gonna watch this team no matter what and i still think even given all these limitations all the restrictions there's a weird morbid curiosity that goes on with who is going to play where who's going to play second base who's going to play left field Mm -hmm. who's going to start for this team what does that fifth spot in the rotation look like is Kimbrell going to be better can we trade Kimbrell at the deadline and I think all of these have relevance not only in a competitive context but also long term for 22 so the reason I bring this up too is to frame going forward especially with this podcast we're going to be talking about things that are that are relevant in the immediate and in the future and it's beyond just being disturbed by rickets and the willingness to not spend, to not take out you know more debt and, and try to keep this competitive window a little bit longer. Like my mind is beyond that. Now, now I'm looking at yeah. who's going to play in 21. And to your point, Corey, are these, are these guys good enough for a World Series contender? No, they're not. They're severely behind the Nationals, severely behind the Dodgers in the National League. They're they're not likely going to compete. Now, is there a world that they could compete? Yeah, there is. Like baseball's a dumb sport, as we all know. And even if it's a 1% chance that it could happen, I'll be watching. And you have to accept yeah. too that there is a 1%, 5%, whatever this chance, this could happen. So we have to talk about Well, and about I mean, this. you know, to that point, Brendan, like if Anthony Rizzo puts on his pinstripe 44 Chicago Cubs jersey 
and is out there playing at Wrigley Field, I'm there rooting for him. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm, I'm not, you know, like I, the, I get the, you know, kind of sentiment from some that, you know, this, they're over this and they're just so disappointed in all of this. Like we are too, but like, I'm, you know, like I'm in this for life and they <laughs> deserve like, it too Corey. for better or worse. Yeah. Like I am a Cubs fan for life, uh, that will not change and whatever they're doing, like I'm going to be behind them and, and supporting them, whether I, you know, support this path or, you know, what has, has led us here or not. And and I think especially going forward, like that's, that's so much of what the conversation is. The conversation is, this is what they're doing. We've told you how we feel about the decisions and, and how we got here, but this is what they're doing. So what, what do we need to happen? What are we rooting for to happen? What are we watching mm-hmm. to happen to get us back to where we want to be, Yeah, to get us back to where the Cubs are a top team in this league, to where they have the best players in the league, and they are, you know, realistically and honestly, World Series contenders every single year. And so that's that's where we are. And you and you brought up a lot of those things, even if they're not going to be putting their best foot forward in 2021. Like there's going to be plenty to watch for. The the you know we talked with uh, Greg a couple weeks ago about a lot of the interest that's going to be in the minor league system. You know, especially that Double A team is going to be loaded with some talent and some future players for the Chicago Cubs. Um, but also something you just mentioned there, Brendan. Like you can you can dial in the minute this season starts right, to what Craig Kimbrell is doing, because you want to talk about something that might be really important, it's going to be if Craig Kimbrell can be good and get moved somewhere else. That could be huge Mm -hmm. for this team. And like, nobody wants to, (laughs) nobody wants to watch things from that lens, right? Of course. But this is where we are, you know? And so I think the goal now is, okay, this is what they're doing. We've yelled about it. We've cried, literally cried about it. So, well, some of us have literally cried about it. Um, <laughs> I don't want to speak for all of you, but I definitely did. Um, you know, how do we get there? How do we get from where we are right now to where we want to be? And I think that's going to be a lot of the focus going forward. I, I think kind of what we're talking about today, at least a little bit, is we're not really sure exactly what that means for 2021. Right, like there, there can still be a lot more action done to extract value from the team that they have now. They can leave it alone. We can kind of see how it all plays out. That's the thing that I think we're kind of waiting to to see. How aggressively is that going to be pursued in the rest of this off season at this trade deadline, et cetera? Or you know, are we kind of off of that? But yeah, like I, I think you know. Again, I, I I get the the sentiment, and especially in the world we're living in, like if if you don't have the energy to be dialed in like you have been the last several years, like that's that's everybody's decision. Um, you know, and I wouldn't judge you for that. But I I think it's pretty safe to say, and you can tell this just by listening to Brendan and I, like. All we care about is that the Cubs end up in a place where they are winning games and they are competing for World Series championships. So if that's not in 2021, we're going to be focused on how we get there. We, we've seen a lot of the displeasure and the sadness and disappointment, seeing Darvish gone and Lester gone and Theo gone. Not all of them are gone either. And there's going to be a point in time where you look back and be like, man, you know, I do wish, I do miss seeing Wilson play catcher. I do miss Javi at shortstop. 
and not saying it's going to happen now or in the next year or even in the next five years. I'm not saying that. But a lot of these guys who brought you that joy are still here. So they deserve our support regardless if yes. Ricketts is not going to spend. And to a degree, I am conflicted with that. It's almost as if the ownership takes advantage of that sentiment. And it's almost like... I don't think it's almost as if they, they do that. Do. I think they definitely I mean, that's a Chicago that. sports ownership yeah. issue across the board, man. The Bears, Bulls, like, I mean, all of them. But that's just that's just how it is. And so there's... You can stop watching it, and I get it, but it's not, you know, it's not fair to to those guys going out there and playing 162 games a year. They need our support, Corey. And again, I mean, like I said, that's as simply as I can put it. I mean, you you may have a different player for you, but if Anthony Rizzo's out there with the Chicago Cubs logo on his chest, like I'm gonna be there, yeah, rooting yeah. him on and and cheering the team on. I mean, you'll you know, in in all these years, like when I've worked for other teams, when the Cubs have been bad like over my dead body. I'm not supporting the Chicago Cubs. So, you know, we get mad about it. We, you know, we, we express our frustrations and stuff like that sometimes different than other people. You know, I think other people are at times able to just sort of be more positive and, and, you know, keep that kind of energy on things. I think we do that most of the time, you know, but sometimes we embrace the despair. Brendan and I are anxiety riddled, you know, weirdos. So that's just, it's hard for us to be positive all the time, but we try for you guys but yeah like this is what it is and we're not happy about it and you know it, it certainly isn't meant to support uh you know ownership uh, not spending and you know like I've said a million times I don't care that they lost a bunch of money on the buildings around Wrigley Field that's I'm not paying for that I I mean we we're all literally paying for that but like say. that's not what I'm intending to <laughs> oh, be paying for like bet. I care about the team on the field I don't care that you lost a bunch of money because you needed more money in other business ventures that should be your problem unfortunately it's our problem but I let you know that that's not going to knock over our love for the Cubs yeah. so again it's sort of just about how we proceed forward um and and that's really what it is so it's it's interesting. Uh, like I said, I get the sense that we're in for more pain. I, I I just don't think they're done. Some of these guys show up in rumors so often. Um, it's nice to think that Jed is listening on everybody, and unless he gets, you know, the sweet spot of an offer for someone like Wilson Contreras or Chris Bryant, he's not going to do anything. But I don't know, man. I. I just I feel like they're still looking for money to get rid of and hoping to continue to improve the pipeline. But yeah, you know, especially like someone like Chris Bryan, like I just don't really know how much moving him is going to do in that that's, regard. That's my point. Um, I, I think at this point, if you're dead set on moving him, if you're dead set on this, you know, an extension isn't going to happen. I would probably wait until the deadline um, to see what's up to see, you know, if fans are able to come back for some teams, to see if uh, some teams, you know, find themselves in a competitive spot and KB's having a solid year and they, you know, are able to maybe feel more assured that they're trading for MVP level Chris Bryant and, you know, not 2020 shortened season injured, uh, you know, Chris Bryant. But I don't know, man. It's, 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 I, I, I joked to Brendan the other day that anytime I wake up and I don't have any messages from him, I breathe a sigh of relief. And I, I mean this, like, literally, because that means nothing happened. 
it's we're at the point where if I have like ten missed messages from Brendan in the morning, I'm like, oh god, you know, like what is going to be happening here? Like, oh man, <laughs> you know, like oh no. Um, so you know, like today I woke up with nothing, and I was like, ooh, phew, we can start our Monday. Like I got to go to work, and I don't have to deal with this um yeah the world is a better place yeah. when they don't hear from me i've heard that too many times yeah well yeah i didn't I mean it like that it's but okay. it's true it's a it's a good point mm-hmm. so that's that's where we are um i know it's been a lot of that and you know really we've been doing this for not just this off season and you know unfortunately too like now you hear this stuff about arizona asking to delay spring training and we're seeing more of the uh you know like i said the mlb owners and uh, players Association fighting again, and we're building towards that uh, CBA negotiation and things like that. So it, it almost, you know, feels like I, I sincerely hope we don't have to do what we did last time, which was kind of come on here and go, well, I don't know when the season's going to start, you know, that kind of stuff. But I did kind of get like a little bit of a flashback on there today. But that's, yeah, that's kind of where things are. So I, I think the best way to go forward in terms of breaking things down is to take it episode by episode. So right now, this is the team that they got. This is where the division is. And I think we should look at things in that context. If if things change, if the Cubs trade more players, if they acquire more prospects and, and things like that, we can have someone like Greg, someone like Brian Smith from Bleacher Nation come on and, and talk us through who these prospects are and what it means to the system. And if not, we can talk about the 21 Chicago Cubs as they're currently constructed um, and trying to figure that out. And, and you know, Brendan, I think one of the things to, to, you know, go on that line, one of the things that we've talked about and that they're ultimately going to have to address a little bit more, you know, we mentioned someone like Shelby Miller, um, but he's far from a sure thing to be able to even contribute in that regard. Um, you're going to need a lot of pitching in this year. We, we've heard this a lot. We've talked about this a lot. But coming off a year like 2020, where you had guys go to spring training, ramp up, shut it down, wait a couple months, ramp up again, then play a shortened season, uh, a lot of which included double headers, you know, weird travel and things like that. So it was unique. Um, you're going to need a lot of starting pitchers, and you're going to have a lot of guys who maybe are not able to hit those innings thresholds that they were in previous years. You know, some of these guys that you look at as really consistent innings getters and things like that, you know, they may not be able to do that just from a workload perspective uh, for for their health and, and, you know, just because of what they're coming off of. So that is something... If we're looking at this Cubs roster as it stands right now, and and even playing with the idea that the money being spent has to be minimal, right? They've got to find innings somewhere. And, you know, maybe they're intent on giving it to all of those young guys, you know, all of those names that we talk about with someone like Greg and that you and I have talked about over the the weeks and months. You know, maybe they're going to be like, it's not one guy that's going to get that opportunity, right? It's going to be all of them. So if you were hoping to see Tyson Miller, Corey Abbott, and Justin Steele, right, or whoever it is get innings, guess what, right? Like they're going to get those innings. But I think you're going to need to see them probably pick up some other guys, even if it's just, you know, minor league invites or spring training invites rather, 
you're going to need more bodies uh, at some point to pick up these innings because I, I I don't think you can throw some of these guys out there and say, okay, go give me, you know, 200 innings, right? You just might not be able to do that uh, given everything that's gone on in the last year and, uh, again, today, some of the uncertainty that's still there. Even with the current Cubs crop, some of these guys, like, they haven't gone deep in a major league season ever. E- even Alec Mills has never thrown over 100 innings in a big league team. He's done it in the minors, but with a big league team, he's never done that. And currently, he's the projected number four starter. So at some point, they're going to have to get more people on this team for for depth. And we talk about Shelby Miller. He hasn't, I mean, he has 0.4 wins above replacement since 2015, dude. And he hasn't pitched basically at all consistently since that time period. Someone like Adber Alzolai, I love Alzolai so much, but he's had his biceps injuries. He hasn't had a full cup of coffee in the bigs yet. And like we look at even lower on the list on the depth chart, like Keegan Thompson had an elbow injury last year. So you have to really squint and hope and roll the dice that you're going to get a, a decent amount of innings from what you currently have. And I like everyone on this like depth possibility train, I guess, if you want to call it that. Like I think they're all interesting in their own aspects. But am I confident that this is enough? I- I'm not right now. And I think you do have to look elsewhere in free agency or if you end up making more trades, bringing back some guys who can give you innings just to survive, just to take off the load of some of your other pitchers who may not do well, but they still need to get more development. I mean, there's a lot to go on with this. So... Just looking right now of of who we got for your projected rotation. Again, just to repeat, you have Kyle Hendricks, Zach Davies, Adbert Alzali, Alec Mills. And, and right now you have Shelby Miller probably in that five spot competing with someone maybe like Tyson Miller or Corey Abbott, Braylon Marquez likely to start elsewhere. Um, you know, Justin Steele, Keegan Thompson, those guys as well. Uh, they're not going to start with the bigs unless they blow the coaches away in, in spring training. I don't see that happening. So I'm looking at the free Asian market. And you ask how my day went. Like, I literally looked up Jeff Samarja today. Like, like what's Jeff no. I know. Like, what's Jeff Samarja doing? And I, I forgot he didn't even, like, basically pitch last year. But that's that's how desperate I am right now. Jeff Samarja's not going to work for the Cubs, by the way. Just throwing it out there. But I'll... Besides Jeff Samarja, you have 34 current free agent pitchers on the market. Um, a lot of them make sense. You see names that pop out to you like Rich Hill and Mike Leake and, you know, Jake Odorizzi, James Paxton, Rick Porcello, Carlos Rodon, Anibal Sanchez. At some point or another, Masahiro Tanaka, at some point or another, these guys were actually in like the top five of Cy Young votes, right? So they do get some attention. And I'm looking at this current free agent market. And I'm trying to see, okay, Cubs are not spending. We know that. Maybe they can spend $2 million, $3 million, maybe a non-roster spring training invite. Like, I don't, I don't know at this point. So I'm trying to find guys that kind of make sense. And the one name that popped out to me was Trevor Williams. I, I believe I mentioned him on this, on this podcast, maybe not within the last month, but at some point during the offseason. And I bring up Trevor Williams, first and foremost, because he in my opinion, is probably going to be within the Cubs' price range, although who knows what their price range is. But you look at Trevor Williams, and this is someone who started over 25 games three times in his career. He has basically average peripherals 
to below league average peripherals. He's not going to blow you away. I'm not trying to hype up, you know, Trevor Williams over here, but he has destroyed the Cubs in years past. But what I was going to say, Brendan, just for anyone in our audience uh, listening, and you're thinking, Trevor Williams, why do I know that name? <laughs> it's because if you've ever watched a game where the Cubs played the Pirates and they get shut out for six innings by a guy with a six and a half ERA, that's Trevor, that's Trevor Williams, Williams who's doing it. Yeah. And like Trevor Williams also has three minor league options. Like I don't, I don't know if anyone will ever use that on them, but there, that is a possibility if the Cubs want to like play the Iowa bus game and bring up guys and bring down guys. But Trevor Williams is 28 years old. And what I like most about him is he has one unique feature that is good or bad. I don't know, but it's a feature that stands out. And that, that's his release point. And so he has a lower release point than 80% of current big league starters. And why do I highlight that? I highlight that one because maybe that's an area that the Cubs can maximize. Maybe you can utilize that, that lower release point and change your pitching sequencing, your repertoire, whatever. Also, maybe that's a point of improvement. Maybe maybe he hasn't had his success because that low release point is not playing well to his stuff. So it could go both directions. But regardless, even with some some below league average peripherals, had an average whiff rate the last two years. Uh, his career year is 4.4, not good. Career FIP, 4.5, not good. Right now in today's standards, that's that's basically slightly below league average but he's going to give you innings. And I think having a pitcher with five plus pitches, having a pitcher with a unique feature like that low release point, having someone who has a sinker, who has a slider, slider at average whiff rate, maybe the Cubs, Craig Breslow, Tommy Hadovy, they see something, they can, they can you know, change your wrist angle on that low release point. Maybe instead of throwing low fastballs, throw higher fastballs, which is a league-wide trend. And not only higher fastballs, but higher sinkers. Maybe that's a trend. Um, that they can utilize for someone like Trevor Williams, who, again, is 28 years old and has a history of starting consistently every single year. So that's just one name I want to throw out there. Corey, I mean, I don't know if you have any thoughts about that. I know you're kind of like exhausted of, of me talking about starting pitching candidates and then seeing them sign elsewhere basically the next week and seeing me depressed. But uh, like realistically, I, there, there's 35 guys on this market, man, and... I know a lot of people were upset, including us, when Lester was uh, signed with the Nationals. They're thinking, oh my God, why can't you give him $2 million for him to come back? I'm, I'm holding out a, probably a false sense of hope that maybe they can give that $2 million to someone who's younger, who maybe has more potential than an older John Lester. Maybe, like I'm kind of waiting and seeing, even though, again, it's probably a false sense of hope. But that, that's where I am, Corey. You're going to be disappointed on that latter point, and I want to clear something up sure. uh, really for the sake of my reputation. Yeah. I, I want you all to know, Brendan asked, I don't know if you have any thoughts on this, you know, meaning like Trevor Williams and guys like that, and I'd like to state emphatically that no, I do not. <laughs> I do not ever think about Trevor Williams, uh, nor will I ever. So I that is my stance okay. on well, that. It is a really sad state of okay, affairs okay, that... The Cubs have done this to our poor, poor Brendan. I, I um, in the it. past, in the past years, he's obsessed over guys like Jake Arrieta, you Darvish, etc., and, and set his sights so high on the guys that the Cubs could be getting. Well, and here he is impressed. now looking at video and Z scores and uh, release point data for Trevor Williams. Well, I, I I feel like you know that. Uh, 
that you know look look how they massacred my boy look what they're doing to my, my sweet sweet brendan he's looking up guys with a six a over six era and this is what he's doing but that's where we are um but yeah, no, I mean, look, like they're going to need innings. Um, Brett at Bleacher Nation wrote a good article about this, and there's there's been a lot talked about this from some of the, the other beat writers and stuff. Like you're just going to need innings, man. And it, even someone like Kyle Hendricks, like he's not with the team anymore, but, but one of the things that we always kind of noted was valuable about someone like Jose Quintana was that he was extraordinarily consistent in giving you 180 plus innings and 30 plus starts, right? I, I I think like if you go back to his early time with the White Sox, it was like maybe once he didn't do that since then. He was always consistent in that regard. 2020, obviously, he cut himself, so that, you know, doesn't really count. But when he was healthy, when he was out there, he was going to eat up those innings for you, and he was going to make those starts. So you don't have a guy like that. Like Hendricks and Davies have been around the block before. They're reliable, but again, they're coming off of these weird years. So they're they're you're not going to be able to likely push them to their norm or their maximum. And like you said, Brendan, you look at someone like Alec Mills, uh, you know, whose experience varies, and someone like Alzali, like I think we all are looking forward to Adbear getting in the rotation, having a chance to, you know, really cement his spot in that rotation, build towards his future, uh, and see what he can do, especially after those adjustments he made at the end of 2020, working with Breslow and Hadavi and adding to his pitch repertoire. I think we're all excited about that. I, I think, you know, even if the Cubs were pushing more chips all in on 2021, I think Alzali would be one of the more interesting parts of this team to sort of look forward to. Like, he, he you know, he's ho- hopefully really going to get his shot in the rotation. Let's see what the guy can do. The last time he threw over 100 innings in a professional baseball season was 2017 in the minors for the Cubs. He threw 114 in a third innings. The following year in 2018, he threw 39 and two-thirds. In 2019, between the minors and that little stint with the Cubs at the big league level, uh, just a little over 80. So, you know, and then 21, of course, in the season last year with the Cubs. So he hasn't thrown over 100 innings in several years. I have no idea where that's going to land him for 2021. Obviously, he's working as a starter. You know, he's he's been stretched out. They're going to have him on the right training program, strength and conditioning program, things like that. But to expect him to go out there and give you 30 starts in 180 innings, like I was saying with someone like Quintana, like that's just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, it would be dangerous if it did for his arm right. and for his health. Right. So y- you have several guys like that. And, you know, even if you're you're looking at some of these other minor league starters who maybe are, you know, more consistently starting, you know, Adbear's gone back and forth, you know, he's relieved. So you have those guys, but like you said, Brendan, they haven't done it at the big league level against this competition and, and things like that. So you're going to have to add, uh, I, I, I joke about it, but, you know, you're going to have to think about guys like Trevor Williams, and you're going to have to think about who you're going to be getting these innings from uh, because this isn't a 60-game season, right, at least at this moment. Um, This is 162 games. Somebody's got to eat those innings. uh, And, 
you're going to need to figure out who this who that is uh you know because you don't have Quintana who was one of the more consistent people in that regard John obviously over the last couple years you know had some of those starts where they didn't last very long but in general he was a guy who you could rely on to make those starts he was going to go every fifth day right and he was going to pitch and he would eat those innings it saved for the you know couple of starts a year that were just complete blow-ups, right? So you got to replace two of those guys in your rotation in addition to a guy who was giving you those innings at a Cy Young level in you Darvish. So that's not easy. Um, and even if you have guys that are interesting, like I said with Alzali, that's not eating enough innings. You're still going to have to find these guys somewhere. So that's where you get projects like Shelby Miller turning to guys like Corey Abbott and Tyson Miller and, you know, maybe giving them a shot and seeing what they can do. But you're going to need reinforcements. You're, you're going to need more reinforcements now than likely ever. So at some point, whether it's minor league deals, spring training invites, whatever it is, the Cubs are going to have to continue adding in that regard unless they're planning on, you know, just promoting like their entire double A and triple A rotation at some point. Greg talked about Corey Abbott at that fifth starting possibility slot to open the year up. I like Corey Abbott too. I mean, him, me hearing Greg say that, you know, it piques my interest. I'm also now looking and digging deeper into someone like a Tyson Miller and doing so, I really hyped me up. Like I talk about not being totally hyped about Trevor Williams. This is, this is a different situation. I'm, I'm like a little bit hyped up about Tyson Miller here. And the reason being is he has this very unorthodox release point. And looking at the data from 2020, when he only threw, what is this? This is like, I think, 60 or so total pitches, maybe a little bit more. In those 60 or so pitches, he had the most towards third base release point in Major League Baseball. Like I, we talked about Jake Arrieta for years, and what made Jake Arrieta so unique was that he threw across his body with a release point that was the furthest towards third base side. Well, here's Tyson Miller, basically the same degree of uniqueness with that release point. The difference between Arrieta and Miller is that Miller does not throw across his body. This is like, and he's such his like such long levers, and he's such a big guy it just stands out right away. And you see some of the numbers and you compare it to current big leaguers. And when I say he has a release point as unique in the same tier as Jake Arrieta, that should pique everyone's interest. And this guy's 25 years old and he throws five pitches. He's not a two-pitch guy like Jose Quintano, who you just mentioned. He's a five-pitch guy. He's got a four-seam sinker, change, slider, curveball. And some of the metrics on those pitches look pretty encouraging. Uh, So, I'm sitting here and I'm trying to figure out who makes the most sense to to get a shot to open up 2021. And my my vote right now is probably Tyson Miller. He throws 93, 94, 95. Changeup maybe needs a little bit more of a velocity separation from his four-seamer, but his changeup is at 87. His slider is at 86. So a little bit of a more sharp breaking slider. And his curve actually is more of a sharp breaking curve at 83. So it's kind of like in that same tier as a slider, and that may bode well for tunneling and stuff like that. So I think when spring training starts here, and we're, what, four weeks away, three weeks away from those guys reporting, my number one guy to follow to finish off the rotation is not Shelby Miller. 
Corey Abbott does get my attention. You know, Justin Steele, Keegan Thompson, those guys get my attention. But the guy I'm going to be looking at the most from day one is Tyson Miller. And look at that release point. Look at that delivery. Look at the video. Go to YouTube. Type him up. It's unique. It's interesting. It should pique your interest as it does mine. Um, so not, that's what I mean. Going forward, we can talk about rickets, talk about cutting money, but when we use this space and our time to highlight that and not a 25-year-old who is trending upwards with these top-tier numbers, then what are we doing this for, right? Like we're, We need to talk about guys in the immediacy and in the future and Tyson Miller I haven't heard much about Tyson Miller this offseason, and yet when you look at his numbers, he deserves to have our discussion, Corey. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, again, like I think that part of what we discussed with Greg and, and part of looking at especially those younger guys who would be getting their, their first opportunity or someone like Alzali getting a more significant opportunity is that's not just 2021, right? If you give Tyson Miller an opportunity in 2021 and he succeeds, even if it's not, you know, the best season he puts together in his professional career, but if it, it's a step towards that, that's great because he's part of your organization for more than just 2021. So if that's the direction that you're going, there are ways, certainly, even just with the players that you have, let alone, you know, some of these younger prospects that you're acquiring in these moves, there's ways for 2021 to be productive, and to build toward the future that we're all hoping for. And it's all uncertain at all. You know, I know that a lot of people have questions like, when is the spending going to return? Like, trust me, I'm with you and we'll cover it, you know, every step of the way when it's relevant. But that stuff matters and it affects all of that. If you unearth a, a starter in w- even just like one of these guys, man, you know, like that's that's a game-changing sort of deal. You know, that you're able to find a, a cost-controlled, effective, solid starting pitcher that you've moved through your own system. Like, that's what we're all hoping for them to do. So that's one of the things that I think in 2021, you know, hopefully they can make better strides in and at least some of these guys can take that next step, make those adjustments and, and sort of show those flashes of, okay, we've got something here. We're building on something and, and we, you know, have something to work with right so that's kind of uh where we are it's it's not exciting uh, nobody wants to be doing this but again the the goal is from here this is what they've started doing the moves they've made or the moves they've made and how do we get from here to the cubs being in the place that we all want them to be um and you know like i i don't want to completely you know, as we were kind of discussing, I don't want to completely throw 2021 away, as Brendan was saying, like, if you can screw around in your division, like it's possible you can mess around, right? So like, by no means uh, is, is at least as currently constructed, you know, just like a waste of a season, right? Like you can see what happens. Um, But that is kind of just more going off of the way that they're talking and the way that they're making these moves, right? They're, they're clearly just not putting their best effort towards the group in 2021. So that's, you know, I think why obviously the the lens gets widened a bit to 2022 and beyond. But that's the state of the Cubs. And, you know, kind of in between when we talk to you guys next, we go back to that waiting game. Are they going to have more for us to break down? Um, if they do, 
you know, we're always game for an emergency podcast and we'll talk about what happened there. Uh, or are they going to, you know, maybe sit still and round out this team as, as cheaply and, uh, you know, hopefully effectively as they can and just kind of see what happens in another strange year. And, you know, we're, we're, we're still waiting on some of the, again, the details of, of this season, but, you know, perhaps they, they can mess around. Um, but that's, that's really what it is. And yeah, uh, it's, <laughs> it's just a waiting game folks. And, and, you know, as I said before, like I, I see those rumors and there's, there's somewhere it's, it's easier to see how it would benefit the team more or it would benefit the team less. But I think each of us just sort of have those names where it's it would hit us worse than others, right? Um, you know, I don't know how you guys rank, like, let's say, Wilson, KB, Javi, and Rizzo, just some of the, the you know, either guys on, on contracts that are expiring or Wilson, who's just a name that pops up a lot. Um, but I would assume that all of us don't necessarily, uh, you know, wouldn't feel as comfortable with certain guys getting traded just because the value would be the most, right? Like, I think we've all got those guys who, like, if we see their name, it hurts us more, even if it's not the most valuable to the Cubs or it is the most valuable to the Cubs. So it's it's a wait-and-see game, and, uh, you know— I I will get through it together. I promise. If we if 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 we can get through John Lester leaving together, we can get through anything. Um, and on that note too, like the the deal must not be official. I don't know if John didn't go for his physical yet or whatever it is. So unlike with like Tyler Chatwood and Jose Quintana and Kyle Schwarber, those have already been announced by the other teams. Like they've done their hey, welcome to so Washington are you Post or, hope or something. Welcome or to L.A. N- no, I'm okay. I'm lamenting the fact that I still have to wait for the at Cubs video and the official like I see. tweeting of it. It's it, you know we we got the news. It's sort of like a band aid being ripped off really really slowly. <laughs> like I can't technically just move on yet because I know there's still a little bit more pain to come in in the near future but as i said if we can get through that we can get through it together um and i i think you know at the end of the day we all have the same goal in mind we all have the same interest in mind which is the cubs being good the cubs winning games on the field and the cubs being back in the world series so uh, we're, we're all going to have different opinions and levels to those opinions about what they're doing right now and how they're going about it and how they got here but i think we all have the same end game and so we'll reconvene in a week hopefully left alone for <laughs> another week uh just just as as my great-grandmother used to say no news is good news that is literally the story of the Chicago Cubs offseason. Just leave me alone for uh, another week, uh, and then we'll proceed from there. Um, but either way, like we, we all have the same end goal, and we're going to hopefully watch them get there. I don't know how long it might take, but we're going to break it down, and, and you know hopefully we can figure out their path to doing that. And hopefully it's sooner rather than later, even if that means uh, not necessarily for the 2021 season. But that's where we are. 
we thank you guys for listening to the Cubs related podcast. And, you know, as usual, like we usually sort of throw this out here, but it's, it's been, uh, you know, some dry off seasons. Like, you know, uh, we, we went into that one off season hoping like for Bryce Harper and all that other stuff. And I think we kind of figured that the, Hayward Zobrist offseason might kind of be the norm. We'd just be like talking about these new guys and these huge contracts and all this exciting stuff all the time. So uh, really just it's just to say like we appreciate you guys sticking with us in the times where they're not doing very much. We're talking about literally the bottom of the free agent barrel. And for the last year, we've been talking about, you know, we don't even know you know, we don't even know when they're allowed to show up for spring training to today. Like Arizona's throwing that into question. So we appreciate you guys sticking with us, um, even though the topics haven't always been super exciting or exhilarating. Um, and at times the topic has literally been, when will they play baseball again? We actually don't know. So we appreciate that. That that means a lot to us. Uh, and hopefully it, it, you know, gets more exciting soon as we're actually approaching them, you know, practicing and getting to spring training and building a baseball team. So uh, we appreciate you guys sticking with us. We will talk to you hopefully a week from now and not any sooner. And as always, we end by saying go Cubs.